Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We need to be faithful to our giving here. We've been here a couple years. Come May, we're going to have to make a decision on whether we are going to sign another lease, and I don't believe we're going to do that because I believe we're going to need a larger place. So be thinking about that when you continue to be faithful in your giving. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. My wife and I look forward to coming back here. We both are still suffering withdrawal pains <laughs> for not being here every Sunday, but we're still free to come at any time. Even if I'm not the one preaching, we can still come here. So I'm now concentrating on the needs of our three churches since I'm the overseer now and I'm responsible for it. I, I got this scripture on, my, on the wall in my office that the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. Paul told the church, besides everything else, Everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. So now my concern is for all the churches, which I always was anyway. But by attending all of our churches more frequently than I have before, because I had to be here, uh, I try to observe the spiritual temperature of each church. How many know there's a temperature in the church? Some churches you go into, you think you're into a refrigerator. I want to be in a church that's it's like a furnace. And, and uh, I've shared this with our pastors and leaders. Uh, I believe we have a need for the presence of God to be more evident in our church meetings because when I read the New Testament, that's what happened every time they met. The supernatural was present. So as an overseer, I'm going to be encouraging our churches to seek and desire the supernatural presence of God in every meeting. So I titled this message today, Reality of the Supernatural. I am here today living 50 years of Christianity. That's five decades of Christianity and encountering the supernatural. 50 years ago, it was the first time I walked into a church uh, outside of Catholicism, which I grew up in, that was spirit-filled church and uh, where the presence of God was so evident, which I never experienced before. I never understood it at the time because uh, it was all new to me. But in that service, a message in tongues, by the gift of tongues, was given. And then there was an interpretation of the tongues by the gift of interpretation, which I knew nothing about. None of that. Uh, but you know, when Apostle Paul is teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to chapter 14, and I want to tell you something. There's churches that don't believe this. And, 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 and I tell them, I say, well, why don't y'all just tear those pages out of your Bible? If you don't believe it, then tear it out. But you can't because it's true. All of it. It's all, it's all true. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 14, 22, and teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit that should be operating in the church. He said, tongues then are a sign not for believers, 
but for unbelievers. Got that? That was me. That was me when I walked into that church. I was an unbeliever. But I tell you this, it was a sign for me. I had no idea what it meant. Had no idea what it was about. I didn't know it was in the scriptures. I didn't know anything like that. But Paul goes on to say, prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. The gift of tongues, I experienced what the scripture says. It was actually a sign for me. The gift of tongues is a valuable sign for the unbelievers as evidence that the presence of God is in the meeting. But tongues is not a sign for the believer because you see, as believers, we come in here already know that God's going to be here. In fact, we ought to expect it, that God's presence is going to be here in the service. But believers should appreciate the gift of prophecy. That's what I operated in just a few minutes ago. I was in service last week in our Covington church, and prior to that, I talked with the pastor and the leader there. Uh, in fact, I was eating at uh, the associate pastor's house, and I was sharing with them on what I'm seeing in our churches, that there needs to be more evidence of the presence of God, and that is going to come through the gifts of God's Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God will make himself known by the gifts of the Spirit in there. So this last Sunday, I was at service. I wasn't preaching. The pastor was preaching, and uh, there were three prophecies given. The first one was by the pastor's wife, Sister Lori. The second one was by Brother Antoine, one of their leaders, and another one by myself. So here we was in service with three prophetic prophecies going forth in a service. And I, said, and, I, and I commended the pastor. I said, that is New Testament. You see, in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, Paul says about prophecies, he says, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Now, you tell me any church that doesn't need this. Every church needs to be strengthened. Every church needs to be encouraged. And every church needs to have comfort. Now, if that's what Paul said the gift of prophecy is for, then I believe we need to be a church that is desiring for that to happen. I believe every church needs this. I've experienced the supernatural many times. I told you five decades, 50 years of church. I know what church is about and because uh, I experienced it for 50 years. I first experienced the supernatural when I heard the gospel and I was born again. You're not born again by yourself. You're not born again by the church. You're born again by God and by the Spirit of God. When you become born again, guess what? The supernatural has touched your life. You didn't join a church. You didn't sign a membership card and say, I like you people. No. <laughs> you don't join the church. You get born into the church by supernatural means. That was my first experience. The second experience is I was baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit moved on me. Then being baptized in the Holy Spirit, it wasn't long after that I began giving messages in tongues as the gift of tongues to be interpreted. And then I began operating in the gift of interpretation of tongues. When somebody would give a message in tongues, God would give me the interpretation, I can tell you, 
uh, a wild story, and I'm going to tell you this because I think I need to. The first church I pioneered in River Ridge back in 1981, we were meeting. We bought the property on Jefferson Highway, meeting in a little house we bought. We knocked all the walls out of it. One service, one, one Sunday morning, I was up front, and one of the ladies, Italian lady, Sister Corb, gave a message in tongues. Okay? It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. I gave the interpretation. God gave me the interpretation of what she said in an unknown tongue. I gave it. Well, that Wednesday night in a Bible study I was doing on West Espinade, they had a lady that visited for the first time. She was at the meeting. She came to the, to the Bible study, and she came up to me, and she said, Pastor, she said, I need to tell you something. She said, uh, I was so encouraged in the, in, in the service Sunday morning. I said, why? She said, because one of the ladies there gave a message, and then you said it in English. I said, what are you talking about? She says, that lady spoke Greek. I am Greek. She spoke in Greek, and you said the same thing from in English. She says, and that's just what I needed to hear. I was so encouraged. I said, hold on a minute. You got to come in here and tell the rest of these people this story here. I've heard that story before from missionaries in foreign countries. I said, but I've never experienced it, okay? It was supernatural. It was supernatural. I experienced those things. It is supernatural. Then the next supernatural thing I experienced was being healed of throat cancer. I was in East Jefferson Hospital, diagnosed with throat cancer. God visited me. I'm telling you, visited me. The Holy, Holy Spirit filled the room. It was thick in there. I didn't care whether they cut my head off or why. I didn't care what they was going to do to me. All I knew is God was there. Well, God, God healed me of throat cancer. The doctor couldn't explain it. I explained it to him, but... <laughs> He, he couldn't explain it. I said, you mean to tell me uh, you, can't, you don't know what this is about? And then I heard supernaturally the voice of God call me into the ministry. Uh, this wasn't my desire. It was his desire. And hearing God's voice on many occasions throughout my 42 years of ministry, he's still speaking supernaturally. I want you to know, God said, my sheep hear my voice. And they follow me. That's what I do. I hear his voice. I follow him. Every church that I pastored, you know, and when I had to leave to go start another one, they say, why are you leaving? I said, he told me to leave. The church in Covington, when I came here, why are you leaving? I got to leave. I got to leave. When he speaks, I listen and I move. Then Paul, after giving the instructions on the gift of the Spirit, and how did it be used in the church? He tells us how, they, how did it be used in the church. Why aren't we using the gifts in the church? He urges them to desire the gifts in 1 Corinthians 14.1. Paul says, follow the way of love. We've got to love one another. There's plenty of love in this place. Now we've got to do something else. We've got to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. You got that? Who is he speaking to, the leaders? No, he's speaking to every one of us here. That you need to desire the gift of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Why? Because prophecy is going to strengthen us. Prophecy is going to encourage us. Prophecy is going to comfort us. We need that. This should be the desire of every one of us, born of God and committed to following him. This is what Paul tells the church in Colossia. In Colossians 3, chapter, uh, verse 1. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ. In other words, you've been born again. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. 
When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. I'm looking for that day. I want to appear with him in glory. He's, he's, got, he's got more work for me to do. You said I'm going to rule and reign with him. I don't know. I'm going to reign with him and rule. I like that. God's word here in numerous other places in the word of God that instructs us to fix our minds on things above. That is our hearts and minds on things above. The things above are supernatural. Things below are natural. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's the first thing we need to be doing. Besides everything we do here in the natural, first of all, we need to be seeking the kingdom. His kingdom is spiritual. His kingdom is supernatural. It's not here. When Jesus was on trial in front of Pontius Pilate, Pilate was interrogating him, and he asked him, he says, are you the king of the Jews? He says, you say I am. They say I am. But my kingdom is not of this world. That's what he said. I'm a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. So if it's not of this world, where is it? It's in another world. It's in a supernatural world. It's not here, but it still exists. It's real. That supernatural world, that supernatural kingdom, his kingdom is as real as this life that we're living right now. It's just as real. The church that we see today has naturalized Christianity. Listen to me. I've been in this 50 years. I know what I'm talking about. And it's getting more. The church is becoming more wanting to entertain people than to tell them what they ought to be. We need to be the church, not act like a church. We need to be the church. And if you're going to be the church, then the supernatural's got to be present with us, and God's got to move in our midst. Other than that, you just said, well, join a club somewhere. Christianity is not natural, supernatural. It starts in the supernatural, and it's going to end in the supernatural. When I read the book of Acts, I don't see anything but the supernatural in the church. If you read it, I don't know what some people are reading, but when I read the book of Acts, which tells you that's what the church did in the beginning, and it should have continued to do it. People say the church is evolving. It's evolving, it's evolving in something other than what the church needs to be. What revival does is we try, the church tries to get back. We're not trying to go far. We're trying to get back to what this says about the church. It was birthed on a day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Read it. That's when the church was birthed. And it was birthed because the Holy Spirit descended on it as Jesus promised it would. And 120 in the upper room began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. It started in the power, and it's got to continue in the power. And that's what the church today has to realize. It's what Paul told the church in Galatians. This is what tends to happen to churches. If you read history of revivals, revivals started by the Holy Ghost being so evident in the preaching and the anointing of the Word of God that it started a revival. But then years later, all these denominations change. And this is what Paul warned the churches in Galatia. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 3, he tells them, Are you so foolish, after beginning by means of the Spirit, 
are now trying to finish by means of the flesh. You get that? They started because they got moved by the Holy Spirit. Now they want to start going back to religion. See, some people are settling for religion. Paul tells us in the last days they will have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. What is the power? There's only one power. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. See, there was, let's just show up, let's just pay up, and we're fine. No, you're not fine. You need to be showing up, and you need to be supporting the ministry, but that's not the end of it. We can't live this Christian life in the flesh. We ought to know something. Our flesh failed us before, didn't it? It led us into sin and debauchery, ungodliness, wickedness. And what it left us with? Heartache and pain, guilt and shame. That's what it left us with. It failed us before. And it'll fail us again if we try to live this Christian life in the flesh. It won't happen. It won't happen. When we follow it, it's going to do the same thing it did before. And people say, well, how, how, can, how can some of these people that are in church fall into sin? I'll tell you how. That's how. You start thinking you can do this in the flesh, it's going to take you down the wrong road. All right, let's look at Romans chapter 8. Paul says this, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the spirit cannot please God. I mean, the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Trying to live this Christian life in the flesh is not only boring. That's boring. You get in a religious mode. Doing the things, doing the things, doing the things. That's boring. Living, trying to live this Christian life in the flesh is boring. Not only is it boring, it's ineffective. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> they got people sitting in churches for 30 years. They ain't no further along than they were 30 years ago. I know, I've watched them. I, I blew past people when I got saved. I got saved and, and, and in five years. I was teaching people in the church that's been there 20 years. Why? Because they haven't moved anywhere. They're still fleshing it out. No, we got to spirit it out. We got to get full of God's Holy Spirit. That's why you see some people, they walk into churches looking like they're going to a funeral. No, no, no. Instead, you need to look like a person who's sensitive to the supernatural move of God's Holy Spirit. You need to walk in here saying, I can't wait to see what God's going to do today. <laughs> get out of my way. Let me get to my seat. <laughs> We've seen that, huh, baby? And and we, we had revival going on in Chalmette before Katrina hit us. We used to get up there. I'd see people running into the church, running into the church. That's what needs to happen here. We need to run into the church saying, I don't want to miss anything. I know God's going to do something today, and I don't, I don't want to miss anything. See, we need to be people with our hearts and minds stayed on things above. Man, forget about all your, your, your worldly problems out there, all the things you went through. To, get out of that, and let's get in 
to the supernatural. Jesus told a religious leader by the name of Nicodemus in the Gospel of John, uh, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, wanted to inquire about the kingdom of God. Jesus said this to him in verse 3. Jesus replied, Verily, verily, I say to you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Jesus said, unless a person is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Why? Because the kingdom of God is supernatural. That's why the people out there in the world, you tell them about the church you're going to, they don't know anything. You start telling them about things of God, they can't even comprehend that. They can't see what we see. Because they're not born again. They cannot see the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is supernatural. You know, we sing the song, great song of faith, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I can see. Now tell me, what am I seeing now that I couldn't see before? This is what we're seeing. We're seeing the natural world that we live in, and I'm seeing another world. <laughs> I see the one I'm living in, but I'm seeing another one. See, there's another world that only spiritual eyes are going to be able to see. You ain't going to see it with the natural you were lost in the natural. You were living in darkness in the natural. But now that you're born again of the spirit of the living God, I can see another world. There's a kingdom of Satan. That's the world we're living in right now, believe it or not. Jesus said the God of this world is Satan. Satan's running this thing. Every country, even our own. But there's another world. We got to see, and it's got to affect us. We need to see both of the worlds, the natural world and the supernatural world, operating at the same time. Because the spiritual world will have an effect on the natural. Jesus told that same man, Nicodemus, in verse 6 in chapter 3 of John, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. Just as our natural body, when we were born, we have natural eyes to see natural things. When we're born again of the spirit of the living God, we now have a spiritual body that has spiritual eyes that I can see in the supernatural. Our spiritual birth gives us spiritual eyes to see into the spiritual world, which is supernatural. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 44. It is sown a natural body, but is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. So what? What it is? The spiritual body has got to have eyes to see it's there. We have a natural body with eyes. We also have a spiritual body that has spiritual eyes because the Bible keeps telling us. Keeps telling us that. It's, see, it's a supernatural event when we get saved. And, and uh, you know, I, for, for years I keep telling people what I was. I was a long-haired, dope-smoking hippie. They said, why do you keep saying that? I said, because I can't forget it. I can't forget when I met the supernatural. Can't. See, now we see our natural life. And the world being affected by the spiritual world. Since my eyes have seen the spiritual world, it's changed my natural world. It's changed the way I live. It changes the way I see things. The night I was saved, which was at 232 Veterans Highway at Lakeview Christian Center, when I got out of that service after being born again, I thought, the, I thought somebody turned the lights on. Because I saw all the barrooms and the dives I used to go in, and I saw them for what they were. I said, I'll never go in there again. Tell them goodbye. 
I want to look at an Old Testament story that reveals that there's two worlds operating at the same time. It's in 2 Kings chapter 6. It says, And now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He, sum he summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel. None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early in the morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do, the servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elijah prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. The Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Two worlds. The servant only had eyes to see one. He saw the, the army, the enemy surrounding. But the prophet said, don't worry, those with us are greater than those with them. Lord opened his eyes, and the servant's eyes opened up. He saw chariots of fire. Supernatural. There's more to that interesting story, but that's all I want to tell you because I want you to see that there is another world to see. And uh, being born again by the Spirit of God, we become beings with spiritual eyes, capable of seeing the spiritual world. When a prophet Elijah's servant saw, with his eyes open, he saw into the spiritual world, he saw chariots of fire. He couldn't see it with his natural eye, but when he saw them, his fear left. Fear is the greatest thing that comes against us. When fear comes, we got to see beyond that spirit of fear, and we got to see into the supernatural world what God has for us, what his promises are for us, what the real thing is, not what we're seeing, but what the real thing is. We need spiritual eyes in times of trouble. See, because if all we're seeing is the natural, we ain't going to survive. Everything that happens in the spiritual world has an effect on the natural world. So we need to have our spiritual eyes open. That is what the apostle prayed for, for the Ephesian church to have. And, uh, and I'm also praying for our churches. I'm praying for you that you will have your spiritual eyes open. Because I don't know what you're going to face in your life, but I do know this. I know someone's going to help you. So we need our spiritual eyes open. This is what Paul prayed for the Ephesian church. He said, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've never stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which he has called you, 
the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realm. Paul said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That Greek word for heart in the scripture is often translated the word soul because it is expressing the whole spiritual nature of our spiritual man. The apostle Paul prayed that their spiritual eyes would be open that they'd know three things. One is the hope of their calling, your salvation. You need to know you're saved. You, you need to have be convinced that that supernatural experience of you being born again, you're saved. <laughs> you, that you ain't going nowhere unless you've settled that. Okay? So, and then the next thing is the riches of his glorious inheritance, his incomparable great power for us. Let me look at the hope of his calling. Paul prayed that they might know the hope of their calling, which is their salvation. Being born again, again, I want to tell you, it's a supernatural event. It's supernatural. We didn't do it ourselves. Nobody could do it for us. It was us and God. When it happened to me, it was, I didn't even know the people around me. I didn't even know what kind of church I was in. really didn't matter. All I knew is something happened between me and him. Me and a supernatural God. Something touched me. But Paul wanted the church to know the full implementation of the event. In other words, when you get saved, you have no idea what God has for you. You don't know how immense it is. Listen, I can tell you. I'll go back 50 years. If, if God would have showed that long-haired, dope-smoking hippie one day, he'd oversee three churches and say, oh, you got somebody else. God has more for you than you can even imagine. But you got to have your spiritual eyes open to see what he's doing in your life. Paul wanted them to know the privileges of their salvation. We are privileged people here. When you get saved and born again, you're set apart. You're privileged people. We're in a, a, a different tribe. There's only two tribes here, the tribe of God and the tribe of the devil. We're in, thank God, we're in God's tribe because God's going to bless us. Then the next thing he wanted them to see was the riches of his glorious inheritance. The apostle Paul was trying hard. If you see how Paul's writing here, he's trying hard to tell them all that's available for them in God. But they need to see it. They need to see it. All the blessings God has promised us in this life, not only in this life, the greatest thing about Christianity is that not only the blessings now, but there's going to be blessings later. Keeps going. Paul wants us to know our future riches. It's so tempting to focus on our present need, our present troubles, everything we have now, to let it consume us. Listen, I don't care how big of a problem you have, it's going to pass sooner or later. You're going to go on to something else. It's going to pass. But what we have ahead of us, <laughs> Paul's challenging us to focus on the riches that are promised us. Everything. If you, if you look at the scriptures, there's ages to come. This is only one age we're living in. It's going to come to an end. But there's ages after that in eternity. I can't wait. I want to get through with this one. We'll go on to the next one. It's going to be greater. Those riches are not only for our present, but our present spiritual riches, being freed, being born again, being free from the power of sin and death is great. But also is that we can live this life in fellowship with the one who created us. Sin separated us, but now sin is gone under the blood of Jesus. And we also look at our heavenly possession of all that. You know, I like the scripture where it says that we are joined as with Jesus. You know what joined as means? That I'm going to get what he gets. 
And the Bible says the Father's giving him everything. So we're going to get everything. I like that. I'm joint heirs with him. He's got everything. I'm getting it. I'm going to be joint heirs with him. We're going to share with everything. But the third request is the one I believe is the greatest. He prayed that our eyes would see the great power for us who believe. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, and it says, in his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength. Jesus promised this. That power is the Holy Spirit. That power is the presence we feel here when we come together. What Jesus promised wherever we gather, he's going to be there. Jesus promised it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This power is supernatural. This power was given to us. We didn't earn it. It was given to us. It's the spirit of Christ living in us. You know, the prophet Joel prophesied about the Pentecost experience back in the Old Testament, Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Joel said, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see vision. This is the same scripture that Peter quoted on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 Jews wanted to know what was going on with them. They heard them speaking in these languages. They wanted to know what was going on. And Peter quoted Prophet Joel. He said, this is what the Prophet Joel prophesied about. You're seeing it. I'm praying that the Lord is going to do that. What is he going to do? He says, your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men are going to see visions. I'm praying that the Lord is going to give me spiritual dreams. Lately, before I close my eyes, I've been praying, Lord, give me the dreams. I want the dreams. Since I'm in the old man category now, I want the dreams to direct me in directing the ministry God has put me over. I want to tell you something. I'll tell you another supernatural. This church here that you're sitting in right now is a result of dreams. Some of you heard this already. Over five years ago, I woke up one morning. I had a dream, and every morning, if I have a dream that means anything, I share it with my wife. I said, "I have a dream. I need to tell you." She says, "I have a dream too. I need to tell you." I said, "Okay." I dreamt that somebody was handing me a baby boy, a baby, and as soon as I got it in my hands, I knew it was mine. No strings attached, all legal. It was my baby. She said, I had a dream too, and I was holding a baby. I said, is that right? We described a baby. It's the same baby. Now, you tell me how we both dream the same dream. I didn't know what it meant. She thought it was real that we were going to get a baby. She says, I need to go out and get some clothes. I said, no, you ain't going to do anything. <laughs> she said, we got to go get stuff together. No, no, you don't. I said, we're going to find out what this means. I told this to the elders that we have in this ministry. I told the dreams to our presbyters of this ministry, the men that I submit to. I told them what happened, the dreams, and they all came to the same conclusion. 
God's going to give you another church. Well, I want to tell you, you're the baby. And it happened supernaturally. But I want more dreams. But what I also want, I want the young men here to have visions. Because God is going to take this church and our ministry to another level. And he's going to do it. See, visions and dreams is the language of the Holy Spirit. If you don't believe that, read your Bible. See how God moved on his people. Give them a vision, give them a dream, and this is what you got to do. He give you a vision, a dream, a word, something, a prophecy. Something is going to come forward. That's why Paul says we need our hearts and our minds set on things above. That's almost a command. If you're going to live for me, the Lord says, keep your mind up here because I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to reveal things to you. I'm going to show you things to do. See, when our hearts and minds are fixed in the supernatural realm, we can see what is available to us. Like the prophet Elisha's servant, he didn't know what was going on. God had to open his eyes and say, look what's happening here. Look what is really happening here. You keep looking at the natural, you think the enemy is going to overtake you. But look what's really happening here. See, it's time for the church to start seeing beyond the natural and into the supernatural. It's time for the church to go beyond the natural life and the cares and the troubles that we're all facing that we can't see anything God is doing. The writer of Hebrews tells us this. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. How many have read that already? How many have understood that already? How about this? Where is that throne? It ain't here. If I'm going to go boldly before the throne of grace, I got to go somewhere else. I, don't, I have to go into a world that I can't see and find it. And I'm going to find it here. It's another world. And you want me to tell you something? I have a right to go there. You have a right to go there. Everybody can't go there. Because I'm born again. I got the spirit of Christ living in me. I can go into the supernatural world to the throne of grace and find help in time of need. Everybody can't do that. They got some believers that don't know they can go there. I'm telling you, you can go there. It's time for the church to begin operating in the supernatural. It's time for every believer to see and expect supernatural involvement in our church, in your personal life, in your home, in your family, in your marriage, in your finances, at your workplace. We need to begin living in the supernatural. We need to act boldly on God's word. We need to abandon fear because fear keeps us down here where faith is going to keep me up there, my mind on things above because we see another world working on my behalf. Listen, I don't fear anything. I don't fear anything. You shouldn't even be fearing anything. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. But love and power and a sound mind. You know what the sound mind is? One that's fixed up there. <laughs> my mind is sound because my mind is fixed on heavenly things, not earthly things. I'm going to live above this life. And when we do that, 
then we become that light shining in the darkness that this world can see. Let me tell you something. This world can see supernatural anointing resting on us. I've had people come up to me. They didn't even know me. What is it with you? I'll tell you what it is with me. I'm supernatural. I've got the spirit of the living God in me. I'm supernatural. I want to close with this scripture here. God gave me this at, at 530 this morning. Look what it says. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, 18. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You got that? Hallelujah. Stand with me. I couldn't wait to preach this message. And I got two more churches to preach it to. As soon as I get to them. You're here today. I want to tell you something. We got more going for us than this world has against us. There's no trouble. There's no difficulty that you're facing right now that's greater than what God has for you. If there's someone here today and you haven't given your heart and life to Jesus, you can't see what I'm talking about here today. Jesus said you got to be born again if you want to see the kingdom of God. You got to be born again first. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know if that's 